Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 94 of the Banter Roundtable podcast where we bring you the most compelling takes on the most pressing political stories of the week. Uh, We've got a very packed show for you today. Uh, Justin, how are you? I am awesome. Here's what's on the show today. We have uh, the Republican Party is in absolute turmoil. On October 4th, Kevin McCarthy was ousted, leaving the House without an elected speaker for three weeks. Now, uh, with less than four weeks until the continuing resolution runs out, tensions are extremely high. It doesn't end there. After ensuring that Steve Scalise didn't make it, Jim Jordan threw his hat into the ring. But alas, he didn't have the votes. Failing not once, but twice in the first vote. He lost 20 Republican votes. In the second, he lost 22 um we're going to be talking about that we also be discussing obviously the horrible conflict in israel gaza we have i mean we've got two pieces on this today we're going to be going to the emergency meeting later to talk about it too uh but hamas has obviously you know murdered hundreds of civilians thousands of civilians in in israel and the israeli military is now killing thousands of people in gaza in retaliation we're going to be looking at the misinformation surrounding the conflict, which is absolutely staggering. And it's very clear that the media are prepared for what Russia, China and the Republican puppets have in store for next year's election. And then we'll be going into the emergency meeting to discuss the identity politics left's terrible response to the conflict. I'm going to go on a bit of a rant in the emergency meeting. So um, please come and join us there after the podcast. We also be talking about Trump's legal woes somehow get worse. Um, this is amazing. <laughs> I don't understand how, how are they worse. It's impressive. <laughs> it's impressive, right? We have some breaking news for you about Sydney Powell. Um, we have our Grifter of the Week segment. We have a very special um <laughs> very special person uh, with the week we have our sunshine story of the day so okay let's with let's domestic right the republican party is in real turmoil at the moment justin can you give me the breakdown because i've been ba- covering the israeli gaza uh horribleness for two weeks now um and i've barely been able to pay attention to u.s politics what's happening tell me um yeah it's republicans in disarray it's been delightful i've been having a great time watching them just flail about um so yeah uh, mccarthy got ousted on october 4th right yep so we are in fact in our third week now without having a speaker um and debbie and i of course watching it very carefully because once that cr runs out if they do not pass another one there's going to be a government shutdown, and who knows how that long that's going to last. Now, after ensuring um, Steve Scalise didn't make it, um, Jim Jordan did, in fact, get nuked by a bunch of Republicans. Because um, it turns out Republicans don't like him very much because he's a jerk. And he's been a jerk for a really long time. Like, that's his whole job. He's been in Congress this entire time to be a jerk. 
Um, and it turns out that when you're a jerk for a living, people don't want to put you in charge. Surprise. Um, and it's funny. Well, all right, it's not funny. It's a little sad. I had been writing on Twitter that he was going to bribe, blackmail, or threaten the people who the no votes with like mob violence. And that turned out to be exactly what he tried to do. Um, uh, allegedly, it wasn't him, but people yeah. were calling and emailing and texting the staff and family of the Congress people who weren't voting for him um, and threatening them and harassing them. And that really, really pissed them off like seriously pissed them off to the point where they came out and like, you know, went to the news about it and gave them texts and emails and made sure that everyone knew about it and that it was coming from him. Now, Jim Jordan went out and said, Oh, it wasn't me. And I, I, I detest this type of tactics, but robocalls were going out to their districts. So someone's paying for this stuff. Um, so that really pissed them off even more. Republicans, don't like it when other Republicans try to cost them their jobs and threaten their families. So these people are digging in now, which means Jim Jordan is almost 100% not going to get the votes, which is hilarious. Sean Hannity from Fox News got in on this. He was harassing people. He was having his staff um, go after the, the no votes and be like, oh, why aren't you doing this? And blah, blah, blah. We just we're just asking questions. So it, it appears that Sean Hannity is still working for Donald Trump because with Steve Scalise, I'm sorry, with um, Jim Jordan as Speaker of the House, they have someone in position to refuse to certify the 2024 election should Trump lose again, which is pretty much just the original 2020 plan. They need someone in position to do that. Um, and Jim Jordan was definitely that guy. Uh, so that, I mean, it's it's just all of one piece. And the fact that he lost by 20 votes and then he lost by 22 votes. And if they try again, there's a good chance he'll lose by even more votes. Because now he's really, really pissed off his caucus. I mean, this um, is extremely embarrassing. This is unbelievably embarrassing for the Republican Party. Yeah, it's even it's even more embarrassing than what happened to McCarthy. McCarthy was just that one little group of holdouts, like the, the MAGA guys. This is not them. This is like, and this is different people each time. It's not all different people, but there's like a different group. There's like an overlap and it's just getting larger, which is even more embarrassing. Right. So, haha. Wow. Yeah. I mean, where does this go? What happens? Give me the give me the rundown. What are what are the options going forward? The most likely um, scenarios. Honestly, your... the most likely scenario, because there is no one else, right? There, there's no there's no other people. There's no other names out there that everyone's going to be like. Well, yeah, we'll settle on that guy, right? right. These were the two most prominent. Mm. Um, anyone else like Jim Jordan's backers aren't going to vote for them. Mm. Um. And it's not like Steve's, um, it's not like Steve Scalise's people are going to just try to nuke anyone else because they kind of do want someone in. They just don't want Jim Jordan. Um, they don't want somebody as extreme as Jim Jordan, and the extremists don't want anyone who's not as extreme as Jim Jordan. So what 
they're probably going to end up having to do is uh, who's the who's the speaker pro tem guy? God damn it, I should have had his name. Um, sorry. Funny guy with the bow tie. Sorry, McHenry. Um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah Patrick yeah, yeah. McHenry. Um, the, the, yeah, the little, the little tiny angry guy with the bow tie who slammed down the gavel, which was hilarious. Um, yeah. But there's a very, very good chance because Democrats are starting to call for this, and so are some of the Republicans. Is that they'll just expand his powers temporarily until the election because they don't need because they're not going to pass any bills, right? There, there, nothing nothing Republicans pass, nothing large, nothing serious, significant that Republicans like they're not they're not going to be able to pass, you know, um, a, a nationwide abortion ban. It doesn't matter if they get that passed because the Democrats in the Senate will never agree to it. So who cares? Mm -hmm. But spending bills, if they give this guy the authority to pass spending bills. That they can do right and if they they all agree or enough of them agree a majority of the house agrees give him the authority to do that and then we can just move forward from here until the election and then whoever has you know the, the whoever controls the house you guys have a freaking mandate to elect a speaker again right if that, the republicans win they'll probably pick up a few more seats and this will stop being a problem for them to have such a thin majority. If Democrats win, well, it's not going to be a problem at all because all 212 Democrats consistently vote for Hakeem Jeffries, mm. and which means he's just going to be, you know, there's not going to be a big interparty fight, which is going to piss off a lot of the press who love their little Dems in disarray narrative, but that's just not happening right now. So, you know, there's a good chance they're just going to finally just say, screw this, let it be McHenry. Just let him run the place and just just let's get this done and just deal with it. Yeah, and I thought you you wrote a piece which was I thought was excellent. Thank you. Um about this. Yeah. I mean it's about the Democrats are being asked to bail the, the Republicans out. And they really shouldn't. And that's the thing, they really shouldn't unless they get bail. something for it. Yeah, right. And that's the thing's like and I think that that's why Hakeem Jeffries is holding the line on it and saying no like give us something or, or we're not going to help you help you out uh but it seems that the media expects the democrats to just bail out the republican party give the republican party everything they want um so that they can have you know regular order in washington but 
this is not the way politics works and it, it does seem to me that republicans can kick and stomp and scream and um refuse to play you know pass the ball uh, but if democrats do that ever they're you know that's unacceptable and they're they're the ones responsible for whatever you know what's going wrong in the country and um the double standard is i think fairly glaring now yeah when, when democrats play hardball the press goes, oh, my goodness. Oh, that's so shocking. I can't believe you're doing that. When Republicans do it, it's like, oh, well, see, they're just they're just very canny operators. They're just very savvy. They're, they're, look how look how well they're playing politics and getting what they want. Democrats are getting Democrats are suckers. Yeah. But when Democrats do it. It's just like it's a it's an assault on the norms and traditions. It's like blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, OK, I see how this is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Cole, look, well, let's move on. We're, let's talk about um, the obviously the the big news in the world, which is the escalating, very rapidly escalating crisis in Gaza. Uh, we didn't do a podcast last week. I was traveling. I was in the UK at, um, at the time when this all blew up. But we are now knee deep in a in a war. Right. Israel and um, I would say Hamas or Gaza is at war with Israel. Uh, and it's a, I would say in, Hamas. <laughs> Yes, hum, it's, not like, it's not like the people there really want this. No, 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 no. And but that's what's happening now. We're in a war. Obviously, the uh, Hamas committed that appalling terrorist act right near, um, you know, near to the Gaza border on the music festival, where they killed. I think what death toll now was is a fourteen hundred or something like that. I mean, it's well over a thousand civilians killed in the most barbaric fashion. And now Israel is raining all hell on Gaza, and we now have a, a humanitarian crisis in the Gaza Strip. So I think you know, obviously, everybody sort of knows what the, the gist of the story. But there are a couple of things worth mentioning here. The first one, I think, is the way that the media is covering this. The media is covering this um, in a, in a, I, I think the the mainstream media uh, is actually being quite responsible in how they're framing this. They're being quite cautious. But social media is doing an absolutely terrible job uh, of giving people the public um, accurate or balanced view of what's happening. Right? You've just got meme posting, constant meme posting and constant disinformation posting whereby, you know, there was a hospital that's been blown up recently in Gaza and there's a lot of confusion over who it was, whether it was the Israelis uh, who did it or whether it was Hamas misfired a rocket. Uh, but it doesn't seem to matter, right? It, it Now what matters is is the narrative that you want to push. And social media is almost like a kind of a, 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 its own battleground for control of the narrative, which I think is extremely dangerous. And there's no filters at all, none yeah. in any way, shape or form. No filters whatsoever. And... We're now in this sort of, you know, the, my, my guess is that probably the bot, it looks like it was a Hamas misfired rocket. It may not have been. I, I don't know. But either way, the damage has been done and um, the Middle East is in flames now. There are protests all over the Middle East because they were rightfully outraged by this bombing of a hospital. Whoever did it, just it, it, it's an absolute tragedy. It's horrendous. Um, that should never ever happen but now you've got these competing narratives about who blew the hospital up and everybody's just running with their own version of it right i have no idea we have this been, there hasn't been an investigation the press hasn't been allowed anywhere near the hospital um 
you know, it'd be good if the UN could go in and check it out, but I don't know if that's going to happen. We're in an active war zone right now. I mean, honestly, at this point, it doesn't matter. If the UN yeah. went in and definitively said, this is what happened, no one would believe it. Yeah, yeah, because because you just go onto your, you know, whichever social media echo chamber you want to look into, and there's your answer. I mean, I, it's a very strange, uh, I would say the majority of my friends are are pro-Palestinian, as in they are not posting any um, memes or things in support of Israel. Uh, so what I'm seeing on my feed and some of the other people I follow is just constant bloodshed on the whole of the Palestinians, right? So you get, and I, if you were fed, fed this day in, day out, you would have an extremely distorted view of the conflict, right? That it was just Israel committing mass genocide against the Palestinians. Um, and it's completely one-sided and, and uh, you know, Israel is doing this for no reason whatsoever. And, you know, the Hamas attack on civilians was was just part of them fighting against the occupation, et cetera, et cetera. But if you check out, like, you know, I do have a minority of friends who are, uh, I've got quite a few Jewish friends too, and they're doing the exact opposite. So if you read, if you look at their post, you all you would see was that, um Hamas had murdered all these civilians uh, and Israel was entirely uh, blameless in this uh, and it was just you know part of um, what's the word uh, a terror you know the Hamas's terrorist campaign against Israel to keep them out of the land that that's rightfully theirs yeah, so I, see I accidentally not not on purpose but I I just it somehow I ended up doing this my feed on Twitter and Facebook, is about 50-50 split. Okay. Which, mean, which means my feed is completely schizophrenic right now. Well, I'm just watching both both narratives and I'm just watching both of it and it's just like holy shit. It is too I, I mean this must be what it's like to live in Fox the Fox um the Fox Universe alternate uh what is what is what is um Bob call it the the Fox cinematic universe that okay. this must be what it must be to live like that, where yeah. you just have one completely different media narrative, and I'm mm. still seeing the other one. It's like a split screen. I, I mean, I literally have two screens. If I wanted to, I could have one screen. This is all Israel stuff, and this one is all Palestinian stuff, and it's completely two and never shall the twain meet. And, and it's unbelievable watching both at the same time. Like, I don't engage. I'm not engaging with either one of them, which is why my feed is staying the way it is. Because, you know, right. if, as soon as I start engaging with one, it's going to change my feed and it'll be all one of the, or the other. And I'm just not engaging with it. And it's just this constant stream of both. And it's, it's just, it's black and white, day and night between the two. And it's just like, how do you live like this? How are you supposed to survive in this kind of environment? And the answer right. is you can't. You, you can't really. You can't. And I want to make clear to our listeners that I'm not choosing one narrative over the other. I'm not saying that this is all the Palestinians' fault or not Hamas's fault, um, and this is not, or, or this is all Israel's fault. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just this is what I'm seeing at the moment. And yeah, I'm not the same thing. I am not engaging this in any way. You don't, and people don't have to like it. But I am not getting into this because it is ugly on both sides, and I am just not doing this. 
and this may well be a case of both sides are <laughs> pretty fucking bad, right? Yeah, We're that's, go and- that's pretty much been my only post about it. It's just like no one's covering themselves in glory here. Right, uh, right, and you can say that there there is a sort of an imbalance, right? There's a there's a, sort of an asymmetry when it comes to power that the Israelis obviously have a lot more firepower than the Palestinians, um, and there are historic injustices that they are responsible for. But either way, you don't like they've just murdered. You know, you can't just murder fifteen hundred people and not uh, expect some kind of response. Yeah, right. right exactly. Exactly. No nation state on earth would allow that to happen and not respond. It it would just be unthinkable. So, um, and if you, if you want to go into the occupation, are, are the Israelis the occupiers? Well, yes and no, but then America is also, imagine if that happened in California or Texas, that um, uh, Mexicans came across the border and slaughtered families in their bedrooms and then said, yeah, but you stole this land from us and it's our historic land. I mean, you might have an argument there. I'm not saying you don't have an argument, right? But but, like, it, but do you sit back and just not do anything? Of course you, you wouldn't. Is that, is that okay? Is that fine? Is that all right to do that? Right? Is that all right to just for, for that to happen? I don't think anybody. I I wrote a piece on it and I said, imagine if this was take an even more recent event like Ukraine and Russia, and let's say that uh, the Ukrainians sent. Um, uh, uh, you know, send their army across the border into Russia and then wiped out entire villages, murdering people, beheading um, men and, and killing children and babies and raping women. Would anybody in the West be saying, yeah, we agree with that? Well, look at Russia. You know, Russia's occupying them, so they deserve what they get. No. No, I don't, no one would I don't, agree with that. Yeah, but we're going to go into this in the emergency meeting, but when it's Jews, you can do that. Um so anyway, but we'll save that for the emergency meeting and the way that the left has responded to this. Um, moving on, we have uh, now, Justin, uh, your uh, uh, Trump's legal woes somehow get worse. <laughs> yeah, this week in Trump's legal woes somehow get worse. Um, yeah. yeah, according to CNN, now this just happened. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday at 12 o'clock. So within the last hour, or an hour and a half. According to CNN, Sidney Powell has pleaded guilty in the Georgia Fulton County case, the election interference case. Uh, This was one day before her case was set to begin. Uh, She has agreed to testify against the other people involved, and that means Donald Trump almost certainly. Um, This is a big deal because... It's a very big deal, yeah. Yeah, she was very much involved. At one point, Trump was looking to make her a special special counsel during the end of his presidency so she can start, um, you know, making up crap about how uh, the election was falsified and how there was, you know, fake ballots and blah, blah, blah. So he could use that to try and declare the election um, fake and then he could try to throw it in front of the Supreme Court. I mean, that was all part of the plan, right? When they couldn't get the fake electors, he was going to try to have her declare the whole, because the the Department of Justice, when he went to them, they just refused to do it. And he was going to mm. fire all of them and make, I want to say Jeffrey Clark. He was going to make Jeffrey Clark the um, Attorney General and have him do it. And they were just like, we will all quit. And remember, the whole point is you have to make it look legitimate. And if your entire, all the all the muckety bucks in your uh, Department of Justice quit, 
and loudly protest what you're doing, you can't make it look legitimate and you have to make it look legitimate, right? It can't, it can't be a, a Friday night massacre because then everyone knows what you're doing and you lose any illusion of legitimacy, which mm. is why Trump had to back off and let things play out until the, of course, January 6th, right? When they tried mm. violence instead. Um, mm. Now what's happening here and this is this is this is the thing. This is the problem. Uh, during RussiaGate and his first impeachment and and so on, Trump spent over forty four million dollars on lawyers for his on on his potential witnesses. Right? That that's a mob tactic. If you pay for their lawyers, they will remain. Especially if they can't afford their own lawyers, their your lawyers will tell them to keep their mouth shut because they're working for you. They're not working yeah. the best interest of their client. They're working. Well, their client is Donald Trump, not the person they're representing. So that's how you keep them quiet. They they pressure the witnesses to stay to keep their mouth shut. Um, but he's not doing that now. He hasn't been able to do that. One, because there's so many of them. Right. That was part of the genius of bringing a giant Rico case is that there's so many people involved, he can't afford to cover all of their legal fees. And also, he can't afford it at all because he's been spending hundreds of millions of dollars on his own legal defenses across multiple cases in multiple jurisdictions um, because, you know, he's a billionaire, allegedly, that he can't, he can't afford to cover all these people's legal fees, which means that they're on their own. And now they're facing decades in jail. And it doesn't help that a lot of these people are older. Like Sidney Powell, 68 years old. She's yeah. looking at what essentially is a life sentence. And it's a state case, which means even if Donald Trump were to somehow become president again, he can't pardon he her. He can't pardon her at the state level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's the that's genius of this case. Yeah, the rats are fleeing the ship. They really oh, are. Oh, yeah. Big time. So, haha. Big time. Yeah, this is not good. This is really not good. I know we say this every week. This is not good for Trump. But it just seems like whenever you think it can't get worse, it does get worse. And this was entirely predictable that um, the people he incriminated or the, or the gang of idiots that he had around him were going to abandon ship when it looked like they were all going to go to jail. Right, because... I mean, but you before he did it, like like four or five years ago, they weren't. They were going to jail for him. Mm. Like people Not went to jail on his behalf and kept their mouth shut because, you know, he was still powerful. He still had money, but he don't got any power now. And he clearly doesn't have the money. So yeah, I, wonder, I wonder whether this really is a sign that the like, people close to Trump don't think he has it. anymore. They think that he's a he's a lost cause and that this presidential election, he's going to lose this badly. And there's no point really in you know you make your bets right you make your bets on whether you think he's going to be successful or not and they're betting that he's not going to be successful well again it's a state case even if he's president he can't stop this right he can't do anything what's he going to do well i'm president um i i ordered this state case to stop uh you don't have the authority to do that well i wanted to stop i'm the president Mm. okay here's a here's a lollipop have a nice day that's this it. Makes, <laughs> yeah, this makes this makes 2024, the, all the legal cases in 2024, it's going to be that much more exciting. 
Yeah, I'm hoping that Sidney Powell kept really good notes and maybe some phone recordings. That would be great. I'd be really happy about that. She is is bonkers. So that. Well, she's a lawyer, I suppose. So you never know. Lawyers tend to keep notes on things. Exactly. Uh, Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Okay, so uh, let's move on from there. We have our Grifter of the Week segment, and we have your favorite person, Justin, uh, Sean King. Yeah, we have not mentioned Sean King on this show before, but um, I personally, once upon a time, I used to, I, I used to like Sean King. He used to post, like, uh, it was he, the stuff he used to post before I knew what kind of person he was. Was was, uh, you know, it, it it called your attention to worthy things, right? And then I found out that he actually is a grifting douchebag who is deeply despised by a lot of people in the black community. And I paid attention and listened to the black community. And I was like, oh, 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 God, he's awful. And the more I learned about him, the worse it got. So I stopped paying attention to him. But this one popped up and it was just so unbelievably tacky. Now, the fact that it's pro-Palestine has nothing to do with it. This could have been 100% pro-Israel, and it would have been just as awful. His wife posted this on his behalf, and it's so, so tacky. It is a picture of him standing in front of his window with his arms crossed, looking looking out very, very deep in thought. And this is what he wrote. Uh, she wrote. I snapped this picture of Sean King yesterday. He was about to write his first post about the Palestine-Israeli conflict. Palestinian-Israeli conflict. He was sitting on the couch in my office, gathering his words, research, and videos, and suddenly got up and went to the window. He was overwhelmed by it all and just needed a moment to breathe and reflect. None of what he does comes without a price. The images he shares, the stances he takes. For days, so many people were pulling on him, asking why he had imposed it. People from both sides. Years ago, he would have done so without a second thought. Today, would have um, today he's well acquainted with the consequences of taking stands against the establishment. We've lost so much, and much of it is excruciatingly painful for our entire family. I'll always be proud of him for what he's done uh, for, for doing what's right, especially when it's not easy. And then it's you know the hashtag Free Palestine. Wow, what a he's so very very brave. Please shed a tear for the true victim here, Sean King and his family. I mean, oh my God! You know, there's a thing that 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 they say constantly. If you're going to talk about the black community or you're going to talk about feminism, don't make it about you, right? Right. Like I'm a white guy. Don't make it about me. I'm a white guy. If I'm talking about the black community, don't make it about me or my experience or my thoughts because it's not about me. It's about the black community or it's about feminism or it's about the LGBT. He is literally making this about himself, and it's so unbelievably tacky and gross. Thousands of people are dying, but it's really difficult and painful for Sean King and his family. Please, yeah. Yeah. Spare, spare, spare a thought for them and send them some money. Right, because I think that's the big criticism of Sean King, right? That he's taken a lot of money. A oh, lot and he's and he never delivers. He he's yeah. always like it's like, oh, we're gonna start this new thing. I'm gonna go hiking on mountains for money and blah blah blah. And then he doesn't do any of it. Mm. It's just it's just grift after grift after grift, and it's really, really disgusting. 
I mean, I'm, I'm on his Instagram. Off. Yeah, I'm on his Instagram page, and it's just non-stop pictures of Palestinians. Um, and again, it feeds into what we were talking about earlier, right? That if you followed Sean King, all you would, all you would know about the Palestinian the crisis in in Gaza is that the Israelis are committing unspeakable atrocities against the Palestinians, right? That it's a totally one-sided thing. Um, that there aren't two sides to the story and that Hamas didn't commit the mass killing of uh, Israeli citizens. So again, not taking a side on it myself, I'm not, I'm not saying that Israel hasn't done terrible things, but I'm saying if you follow Sean King, he's just, he's got an agenda, right? He's got a one side, uh, a one sided take on it and he's milking it, right? Then he's posting photos of himself from his wife, um, of him (laughs) struggling. He's struggling, struggling right? Ben. Yeah, He's and no struggling. doubt it will, be, it will be to get more donations for something. Please send your thoughts and prayers for him and his family. Yeah. And a check. <laughs> yeah. All right. Look, we have a final bit of the show today. We have our Ray of Sunshine. Um, and the Ray of Sunshine, uh, this is Justin. You've been, you're very excited about this. Yeah. <laughs> we have, okay. We have uh, the Biden Harris HQ, um, the which is the official digital rapid response channel of the Biden Harris campaign. So these, these guys are, are great. Saying? Yeah. They start. This only started up a couple of weeks ago. They started like at the beginning of October. I was not even aware of this. People, this is my attention. This is great. Oh my God, they're amazing. Like the whoever's running this. Whatever they're not, whatever they're getting paid, it's not enough. Like mm. I don't. All right, I follow a whole bunch of stuff on Twitter, right? I follow a whole bunch of feeds, yada yada yada. When it comes to politicians, I don't generally follow any of their feeds that closely because you know it tends to be boring stuff, right? You know, they just post a little bit here, they post a little bit there, they post like very dry stuff, like AOC can get a little snarky like when someone shoots at her when someone slaps at her she tends to slap back and she's pretty funny sometimes but the it's at biden hq and Mm. they are amazing they're vicious they post they've been mercilessly destroying republicans for weeks they post videos of stuff republicans say and do and they just put in just enough snark to make it it's just absolutely chef's kiss it's beautiful they're brutal and it's it's absolutely pitch perfect it is designed for social media and it's not i've never seen democrats do this before especially a presidential campaign right usually they're like oh we're doing this we're doing that they do some of that but it's also just it's just relentlessly harassing Republicans with their own words, which Republicans hate, right? They hate that more than anything else. But, I mean, they've been very focused on Trump and his slurred speech and constantly losing track of what he's saying and how he's just babbling. Like, like a couple of days ago, he was talking about how Republicans eat their own young, right? It's like, that's probably not what the teleprompter said, but he said it twice. And they just were all over it. So it is phenomenal. So you definitely, at Biden HQ, just one word, no underscore or anything, Biden HQ, at Biden HQ. It is beautiful. And here's a bonus for this week. Um, 
just came a couple of days ago. The Biden-Harris campaign raised $71.2 million in quarter three. Trump only raised $45 million. Um, the $71.2 million is about as much as the three leading um, Republican candidates, Trump, DeSantis, and Nikki Haley, combined. Um, and this is from the Midas Touch. Uh, the campaign added 240,000 new donors since April who did not contribute in 2020. The average grassroots contribution was $40, and 97% of all donations was under $200. So this is not a bunch of billionaires and millionaires funding the Biden-Harris campaign. Um, meanwhile, the majority of Trump's campaign money, that shit is all going to his legal fees. Like that's how most of his PAC money has to go to his legal fees because it's costing him millions of dollars. So which means he's not going to have a lot of money when the campaign really starts, which is going to be a huge problem for him. I mean, there's going to be super PACs, but wow, Biden's in a very good position and Trump is going to be starting off way behind because he's still got to be spending all that money on his um lawyers. So, you know. So you got a double dose of sunshine this week. Yep. There you go. All right. Well, on that note, we will head uh, into the emergency meeting podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. In the emergency meeting podcast, we're going to be talking about the hard left's reaction to the Israel-Hamas war and why it was absolutely terrible. Um, I've been, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant and uh, apologies for everybody in advance. But, uh, yeah, it's, maybe, it's really upset me. Um, but anyway, please come join us in the Emergency Meeting podcast. Uh, you can get 50% off the membership, and that helps support the band and everything we do. We're entirely independent. We are funded by no advertising, no billionaires. Uh, so we need you all to keep going. And as we head into the election year, it's more important than ever. So thanks very much, and we'll see you next week. Adios.